Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got a great show lined up for you. Here's what's ahead. The tech sector. It's all about disruption and speed. Or is it? Carter Worth explains why the tech tortoises could end up beating the hares. Then, even if interest rates and volatility take their toll, Tony Zhang has another foundational play that could keep lumbering higher. And a lifeboat can only hold so many passengers before it sinks as well. But have no fear, Professor Ko can swim to your rescue. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. Let's get right to it. Check out the big tech takedown with the Nasdaq Composite closing out the week in the red and hitting its lowest level since December. But our chart master says there is one name in the space that is bucking the trend. So, Carter, take it away. Sure, and obviously there's more than one. But let's talk about, in many ways, the most marquee stock of all, Microsoft. So let's go right to the charts. The first is a two-panel chart. Top panel, Microsoft itself, just ascending in an orderly fashion over the past five, six, eight years. The bottom panel is relative performance to the QQQ, uh, the the NASDAQ 100. And what you can see, of course, is the divergence, meaning as Microsoft has continued higher, it's been a a serious underperformer relative to uh, the 100 largest NASDAQ stocks. But that relative performance line, which has been slumping down, has bounced beautifully off its uptrend line. You can see that there. So we're starting to see outperformance. To that end, consider this week, a a bad week for tech, and yet look at this table. What do we know? Microsoft basically unch versus, of course, the Qs down 1.7%, Amazon down 3 and FANG index down almost 5 And so it's a good setup of preceding underperformance and now nascent outperformance. Two charts... Microsoft, first one, uptrend. It is what it is. It's come down to this trend line since its March low and has bounced handsomely. So not only is it down to support in one way, final chart, it is also back to the level from which it broke out. Uh, So a well-defined juncture acts well in a very red moment for tech in general. And then, of course, uh, final, take a look at this. This is a comparative chart. Just to put it in context. Going back uh, for all data for the two, Apple and Microsoft, Microsoft is almost 3x what Apple has done, which is to say $1,000 invested in Apple right now, 35 years ago, would give you 980000 Microsoft would give you $2.8 million. Microsoft lower beta, 0.89, versus the market and the queues. Offense and defense all in one. Wow. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so I think Microsoft is uh, interesting just from a fundamental standpoint as well. You know, we often talk about Apple as basically having this built-in customer base. Microsoft has that too. And, of course, they also are at, you know, basically the forefront of an important spot. One is with Teams. That is the product that essentially uh, competes with Slack. 
Uh, that's very well liked and obviously is, a, is very well positioned, I think, as we increasingly see people working remotely. And even once we start to return to each other's offices, this has become a part of people's workflow. The other thing, of course, is cloud. This is an area where they have a tremendous amount of strength. We usually talk about AWS, but Microsoft is right there as well. Right now, the company is trading a little over 30 times earnings. That, interestingly enough, is about where the S&P is, although critics of that analysis might quickly point out that the S&P earnings were hurt a whole lot more than Microsoft's last year. I would agree with you, but the reason for that is that Microsoft's earnings grew about 25% year-on-year over a very rough period of time and are forecast to grow even more over the next 12 months. So. Look at Microsoft, fundamentally, I kind of like it. Here's the thing, we know that volatility is high. Options premiums are high, we're looking for opportunities to sell options, but we've also seen volatility. So how do we try to take advantage of this set setup? I was looking at selling the April 210-250 strangle. So selling the 210 puts, also selling the 250 calls. When I was looking at that earlier today, I could collect $4 and $2 respectively, taking in $6, and then using that premium to help finance the purchase of a longer dated at the money, 230 strike call option for $13.50. So net net spending about $7.50, give or take about 3% of the current stock price. Now bear in mind, April expiration is going to precede the next earnings event for Microsoft, which is gonna take place on April 29th. So we're essentially selling that wings. And by the way, take a look at where the stock has traded. 210 give or take has been the low over recent months. And I think the high was right around 245. So we're basically trying to sell options on those outer areas of potential support and resistance and then buy that at the money call option. So even if the stock just trades sideways through April expiration, this trade should be a winner. Tony, what do you think of the trade? What do you think of Microsoft? Uh, so I like this trade, uh, both from a fundamental and technical thesis perspective. You know, Carter talked about the breakout level, that 225 level, breaking out above that level, coming back to test that level as support this week. The bounce off of that, I think, is fairly strong from a technical perspective. And as Mike said, on the fundamental side, I think this business is extremely strong. Almost 60% of their revenue currently generated from their cloud-based businesses. And Azure is growing at about a 40% year-over-year growth. And if you think about the fact that operating margins are north of 40%, it, I think, uh, makes the 30 times next year's earning valuation fairly attractive here, as Mike said. So for those reasons, I like both this technically and fundamentally. And if you look at Mike's trade here, I know for investors who are relatively new to options or, or even experienced options traders may find the strategy a little complex. I think another way to look at this strategy is to break it down into two strategies that, we're, that we use quite often here on options action, which is a short put and a call diagonal here. So Mike's selling the April 210 puts, um, collecting a bit of premium here to finance the, con uh, the, the, the purchase of the call diagonal here. And by going out to the April two, uh, the 250s that he's selling on the diagonal, what I like about the diagonal that's a $20 wide is the fact that even if Microsoft rallies substantially, he's paying less than the width of that diagonal. So even if it rallies substantially, he doesn't see any losses here to the upside. The only adjustment that I think I would make here to this trade is I would get a little bit more aggressive on that short put. We've identified that 225 is a major support level, the breakout level that Carter is referring to. I would sell maybe an April 220 put, collect a little bit of premium, a little bit more premium here to pay for that call diagonal. But otherwise, I really like this trade. Mike, uh, what do you think of Tony's adjustment? 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, of course. The thing is, we saw considerable volatility in the markets last week. We saw considerable volatility in the markets this week. The thing about this trade structure that you ought to be thinking about is, why would I do this instead of just simply going out and buying the stock? And the reason you would do this structure instead of buying the stock is that you get significant outperformance to the downside. Any price below about 240 or thereabouts in Microsoft or lower from now until April expiration, you're going to outperform the equity considerably. If you raise that short put strike, you're going to narrow that outperformance in that area. So you would get better upside, but you'd be taking more risk to the downside. So Tony, younger guy, maybe a little bit more aggressive <laughs> than the old man over here who's playing it a little bit more conservatively. That's something for everybody on this show. Let's rotate out of tech now and into the consumer trade, just like the rest of the market is doing. And the reflation, as the reflation and the reopening trade kicks into high gear, Tony is taking a look at one name that's equal parts go shopping and stay at home. So, Tony, take it away. Yeah, that's exactly that, because the home improvement space remains one of the strongest categories of consumer spending still, even as the, we, the reopening trade starts to, to take hold here. And Lowe's poor performance since they've reported earnings here over the past couple of weeks, which actually were fairly strong, I think is an opportunity here to play for a bounce. So if we take a look at the chart here, on an absolute basis, the chart broke out above that 150 level here in August. And so far, it's been holding that level, even today, bouncing fairly strongly off of that 150 level here. But also on the absolute basis to its sector, XLY, consumer discretionary, this is a stock that has held up very well since the election. And remember, there are some pretty strong names in this particular space. And not only has it held up along, uh, to, relative to its sector, it started to outperform its sector this week during the sell-off. So for those reasons, I like this relative to the sector. But also, if you look at the subsector within the home improvement space, Lowe's has outperformed its much larger rival, Home Depot, since March by a substantial margin here. So for those reasons, I really like Lowe's as a reopening and playing a bounce off of these technical levels here. So the, the fundamentals here for me looks fairly encouraging here for Lowe's. The fact that we've held that 150 level technically looks encouraging, but I do have to take into account the current market conditions, which leads me to be more of a mildly bullish view here on Lowe's. So the trade structure I'm using reflects that mildly bullish view and the relatively elevated implied volatility here for Lowe's is I'm gonna use an iron condor and I'm going out to April and I'm selling the 140, 150, 160, 170 iron condor here. So for investors who are first time sellers of iron condor, you can think of this as breaking it out between a put credit spread and a call credit spread on the same expiration date. So I'm going out to April and I'm selling the 150, 140 put credit spread for about $3. And then I'm selling the 160, 170 call credit spread for about $2.10. Net net here, I'm collecting about $5.10 for this $10 wide iron condor, which brings my break-even price just to be around 145 and 165. So as long as Lowe's stays between those two levels, this strategy is profitable, and I only have a max loss of just shy of $5 if Lowe's is below 140 or above 170, a substantial price away from where it's currently trading. Now I will say, Lowe's has bounced quite strongly here today since I looked at this trade earlier this morning. For investors who want to place this trade perhaps on Monday morning, now that Lowe's has moved about seven bucks higher here today, you might want to adjust these strike prices about $5 higher on Monday morning's open. Carter, does the chart look mildly bullish to you? Well, I, I think the, one of the key things that Tony said is its, it's recent uh, outperformance to Home Depot. I mean, basically, 
uh, since the 09 low, Lowe's has been a chronic underperformer versus its, its bigger peer. And it's uh, holding up better as Home Depot has put out some negative news is, is very important. Also, we came right down to the November low. We held, and, and my hunch is that this is the better play uh, than uh, Home Depot. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. When everyone is full of energy, that might be the time to give it a rest. Professor Coe explains. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. We've got a news alert. California is saying it will allow theme parks like Disneyland, Major League Baseball, and live shows to resume at reduced capacity on April 1st. Disneyland has been closed since mid-March of last year. Um, not too much reaction so far in the after hours. It is Friday, though. Um, so, so, Mike, what do you make of this? This seems like a very positive step. I think it is a positive step. I mean, obviously, as you know, there have been rumors now for a couple of weeks that this was coming down the pike, so it isn't an enormous surprise. What I can tell people, though, is that based on the things that we have seen reopen out here in California, that even on a limited capacity basis, there is a lot of pent-up demand. If you have any question about that, go and try to find a place to eat tonight on a Friday night or even on a Tuesday or a Monday night. It's almost impossible. People are hankering to get out. And when they do reopen, they're filling the seats. All right, let's move on here. Uh, we are off to a high energy start in 2021. Literally, the XLE Energy ETF is up almost 40% so far. Uh, far and away, the best performing S&P sector is a magic potion of potential supply cuts and reopening hopes for rocket fuel on this rally. So should you double down on the bullishness or, as Carter flagged last hour, last half hour, is the sprinting sector about to run out of juice? Mike is here to answer your questions and save you some energy. Here's, he's here with the call to action. Mike. Yeah, so, you know, obviously trying to pick a top, whether it's a near-term top or an absolute top, is always a, a difficult thing to do. But, of course, when you take a look at XLE, it's not surprising that that rally has coincided with a big increase in the price of oil. Take a look at WTI, closed about 66 bucks a barrel not far off of its five-year highs right now. Brent also uh, just under $70 a barrel. I think its five-year highs just about 75 And basically, if you think that oil could potentially start to run out of steam, I guess that's more of a coal thing than it is an oil thing, then you might start to wonder whether the stocks would also follow suit. You know, when you take a look at the biggest constituents of XLE, names like Exxon stick out. That's the largest integrated oil company. This is a company that still does face some pretty major headwinds and challenges. I mean, let's consider that they still have a very big dividend and they're faced with some tough choices. Are they going to pay that dividend or are they going to invest in their future? How much of a future? is there for energy stocks. And of course, like so many other things, this is a situation where we're seeing that uh, basically you have very high implied volatilities as well. That's not surprising because a lot of these companies have relatively high levels of debt and they're based on a commodity which itself is exhibiting a lot of volatility and they're tied to something volatile as well, which is the reopening. So as I take a look at this, I think that this might be an opportunity to expect that XLE could hit the pause button here. And so I was taking a look at potentially using a calendar put spread. I was specifically looking at the April 9th weekly June 50 put spread as a calendar spread. Now, I was looking at those weekly options because 
those were the ones where we're seeing a very high implied volatility. I think we have a term structure of volatility chart here, and that shows just how high the short dated options premiums are. When I was looking at this earlier today, you would spend about $3.65 for those June 50 strike puts. You could sell those April 9th weeklies for $2.10. So net net, you're spending just $1.55. And this is another one of those situations where if XLE is to fall, you're going to actually see some profits. But even if it doesn't, the decay of that nearer dated option should help finance the purchase of that longer dated put option. All right. Um, Carter, I'm sure you've got some charts for us. And they're the exact same ones we just looked at. But let's uh, drive the point home again. Four of them, all the same time frame. XLE, first one, no lines drawn. Second one, back to a difficult level. Third one, same thing, overhead supply now in play. Fourth one, even more overhead supply. The circumstance is this. This is a sector that has very little representation in the S&P 500. And there were great tin companies in the Dow Jones. There were leather companies. There were cord and twine companies. There were coal companies. There were big shipping companies. Things change. Carbon fuel, uh, its long-term prospects are not good. It's come a long way. As a trade, you fade it. Tony, what do you think of energy? And what do you think of Mike's trade specifically? Yeah, so as Mike said, it's hard to call a top, especially in the best performing sector here in the S&P. But there are some warning signals that we're starting to see here out of XLE and out of crude. If you look at the weekly chart here on crude, it's extremely overbought here. And if you look at the daily chart, there are classic signs of exhaustion where the crude prices continue to make higher highs, but momentum is no longer confirming those highs. That's exactly what we saw in some of the high beta tech names before they sold off two weeks ago. So there's a relatively higher risk here of a pullback here. So And, and because it's due to a lack of supply rather than a strong surge in demand here, I do think that it's not necessarily going to see a strong collapse here. So I have a more of a mildly bearish view here, which makes the calendar spread that Mike is putting out fairly attractive. And I think that one of the great ways to think about this calendar spread is think of it, if you look at the risk profile of it, it's actually very similar to a short straddle here. Um, the Almost like an April 9th $50 straddle that Mike is selling. But it's uh, unlike a straddle, you don't have unlimited risks to the downside and the upside, and it's much more capital efficient. You're only paying $1.55 to take a, tr a, a trade structure that's very similar to short a straddle here. And I like that trade for those reasons. And the break-even price is about 45 to 55 here for XLE. So he's got a very wide range where this calendar spread is going to be profitable uh, on a pullback here for XLE. Yeah. Mike, last word on this trade? Yeah, I mean, I think that the important point to think about when we're putting these trades on, are you looking for big moves, in which case you usually just want to be a buyer of options, or are you looking for more modest moves and a higher probability of profit, in which case you're trying to sell options, and that's what we're doing here. But one of the things we don't like to do is sell naked upside. You know, a short straddle, which is one of the trades that Tony was talking about, sometimes those can seem fairly compelling. But if you've seen what has happened to some short positions lately, you're reminded that's not something you want to do. All right. Coming up, right on target, we are breaking down how Mike's big call on the mega retailer played out this week. Plus, you ask, we are answering. So send us your burning questions on our Twitter handle at Options Action, and you just might get your answers on air. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at one of our open trades. Just last week, Mike Co. said one big retail name was about to miss the target. It's actually trading cheap to many of its comps. 
That said, I will say that it is trading quite rich to itself. And, you know, sometimes when you start to see stocks run towards the upper end of their own historical valuations, you can run into a little bit of trouble. Well, I was looking at the March 170, April 180 put diagonal. So I'm buying those April 180 puts, selling the March 170 puts against it. Net, net, I'm going to lay out about $4.85. Bear in mind that because we have this upcoming catalyst in the form of earnings, near-dated options premiums are going to be elevated. We're trying to capture the fact that there's going to be a lot of decay in those short-dated options and own that longer-dated put. Well, Mike, at the bullseye on this one. What's next, Mike? Yeah, I mean, actually, it's interesting because the stock essentially ran right down to our short strike price, right around that 170 level after they reported this week. Some of you who put this trade on and based on the Twitter responses that I've seen have already taken your profits on this. But I think that's probably what you want to do here. You don't want to necessarily carry in these these really in the money April options. So take your profits and run. If you want to press your bearish bets, you probably want to roll down and out on both strikes. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back. We want to take another check on shares at Disney up more than 2% in the after hours on news that California will start to reopen theme parks starting April 1st. Of course, that allows Disneyland to reopen for the first time since March of last year. Again, up 2%. Time now for a tweet. Is a TLT oversold at this point, setting up for a bounce back to 155? Question mark. Carter, what do you say? Very much so. So if you look in the history of the TLT going back some 15 years, there's only two other instances where it has been this far below its 150-day moving average. On the 09 low, and in 2016 when we had the sort of growth scare, industrial recession, China scare. So maybe not 155, but I certainly think you can get 150 out of it. TLT, I'm a buyer. Final call time. Tony, what do you say? I'm a buyer of, of home improvement, selling an iron condor and Lowe's. Carter. Microsoft it is both offense and defense in one. We like it long. Mike. Put calendars in XLE. All right, we'll see you back here next week. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.